0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Last one of our summer at the movies. How many of you remember The Lion King? That's big. You realize that, that that original animated feature is now 25 years old. And it, it's still, it's number nine on, on all-time uh, grossing animated features. It's in the top 50 all-time movies. And that's from the 90s because all the top animated features have been like Frozen and The Incredibles. They've all been in the 2000s. That was just, it was just a huge, it was a huge movie. Now, how many of you have seen the remake? They've done them, a, a lot of people have seen the remake. Now, the remake they're, they're projecting by tonight is going to gross worldwide $800 million, and, uh, which is good because it cost them $260 million to make that movie. And just think, we're going to build a beautiful building out here for a whole lot less than $260 million. But that, that is, that's amazing. A lot of them, well, but Lion King's got some great themes to it, though, doesn't it? It's, it's, got, it's got a redemption theme where Simba comes back. It's got identity. Simba, you know, remember who you are. It's like, it's got that part. Identity. <laughs> that James Earl Jones. The older I get, my voice may come like that, James Earl Jones. <laughs> it's got that. It, it, it's, got, it's got the moving past your past. It's really good. But there, there's one. Seeing that because this was Michael's favorite movie, my youngest son, his favorite movie. And how many of you you parents know or grandparents know? Once your kids lock into a cartoon movie, they don't just watch it once, they watch it over and over and over. Some of you can sing the frozen song in your sleep. And so A Lion King was that for Michael, and there was one there's one clip that stayed in our mind. Now listen, we, we thought about we thought about going and, and, and showing you the, the movie that's, ta- that's playing right now, but that would require Matt, my son, to go in there and pirate that on, on his phone. <laughs> and we thought he might get arrested. It's not good for a church. No one was willing to pay his bail, so we just said, hey. <laughs> so we're going to have you take, to take you back to a clip that I have remembered for years. It's one that's never gotten out of my mind.
1: So, where you from? Who cares? I can't go back. Ah, you're an outcast. That's great. So are we. What'd you do, kid? Something terrible, but I don't want to talk about it. Good. We don't want to hear about it. Come on, Timon. Anything we can do? Not unless you can change the past. You know, kid, in times like this, my buddy Timon here says, you gotta put your behind in your past. No, no, uh, no. I mean... Amateur, lie down before you hurt yourself. It's, you gotta put your past behind you. Look, kid, bad things happen, and you can't do anything about it, right? Right. Wrong! When the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. Well, that's not what I was taught. Then maybe you need a new lesson. Repeat after me. Hakuna Matata. What? Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase! Hakuna Matata Ain't no peasant craze It means no worries For the rest of your days It's a our problem-free, problem-free Philosophy <laughs> Hakuna Matata Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto! What's the motto? Nothing. What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? These two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Take Pumba, for example. Why? When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. He found his aroma like a certain appeal. He could clear the savannah after every meal. I'm a sensitive soul, though I seem thick skinned and it hurt that my friends never stood down the <laughs> And oh, the shame. was a shame. What a change in my name. Oh, in a name? And I got down How did you feel? Every time that I. Hey, Pumper, not in front of the kids. Oh, sorry. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase.
0: Warning, that song is going to stick in your head. <laughs> Still remember it years later. Wouldn't it be great if we could just have a motto like that, no worries, and we would have no worries. So you deal with problems that come up, and you're like, hey, kuna matata. Hey, kuna matata. It, it doesn't work that, that way, does it? I mean, it makes a great song. But yet, worry, we know all of us deal with it. And it's... I don't think anyone, you'd ever sit down and go, hey, tell me some of the benefits of worry. There aren't. And we realized especially excessive worry can cause problems. In fact, it can affect you physically. Too much worrying can cause stomach problems. It can cause insomnia. It can cause, uh, they, they say if you worry too much, it can cause heart and cholesterol problems. So it has a physical toll. And how about emotional toll? It's just sometimes just too much. I've never had anyone, or I've never, I've never worried for a long time and then looked at Joy and said, you know, that was the most refreshing thing I have ever done. <laughs> worry doesn't refresh you. In fact, what worry does is it drains you. And so we realized, though, that because what's going on in here affects what's going on out here. A doctor was having dinner at a nice restaurant. He looked over at a couple of tables over it, and saw his uh, patient, Morris. Morris was 83. He was dressed to the nines, and he was having dinner with a young lady who couldn't have been more than 32 years old. And the doctor looked over and Morris excused himself a little bit later and went to the restroom. The doctor followed him in. He walked in the restroom. He said, Morris, what are you doing? He said, what? He said, what's with the girl who's, who, who's your grand, you know, she could be your granddaughter. He said, doctor, I'm just taking care of my health like you said. The doctor said, like you said, like what did I say? He said, doc, you said get a hot mama and be cheerful. The doctor said, Morris, I didn't say that. I said, you got a heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> Hakuna matata for Morris. I mean, it, uh... <laughs> but, but the idea is we realized, and, and I think here's one of the most significant things. I don't think any of us has ever worried and thought when we came out of it, thought, man, that was effective. That really helped. In fact, I think Corey Ten Boom has one of the greatest on worry I'd ever heard she said worry does not rob tomorrow of its sorrow it robs today of its strength it's a it's a powerful phrase and we realize man it's, it's not helping us and yet we do it and I know people will look at us and go well you know Alan that's life that's what we do we just we just worry and if you're thinking that I want you to open up your heart because Jesus and, and, and the writers of, of the Bible actually have a different perspective on that. In fact, Jesus addressed worry directly when he was talking to, uh, to his people in one of his famous sermons. He said this, Matthew 6. This was part of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, when Jesus was speaking, and he said some other things about about not letting your heart be troubled, neither letting it be afraid. So what we find is, from heaven's perspective, we're not supposed to worry. It's not something that's supposed to be part of our makeup. And so he said, but Jesus gave us some clues here. When he was talking to the Jews, he said, he said, worry like the other Gentiles. The Gentiles, that phrase means people who who did not have a relationship with God. The Gentiles meant people who had no covenant. So he's talking to Jewish people. He's like, "You've you've got a covenant. You've got a relationship with God. And he used the phrase, your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. So when Jesus would talk about God, it wasn't just a God way off. It was God, the heavenly Father who we have a relationship with. Now we're talking family. And if it's family, then we can have a greater sense of God's gonna take care of us. And then, then he said this. He basically said, he said, take it one day at a time. He said, there's no sense in worrying about tomorrow. He said sufficient for the day, it's its own trouble. In other words, deal with today and don't worry about tomorrow. Man, that's some great advice. How many headaches would that save us? How many stomach aches? How many sleepless nights would it save us from worrying about things? In fact, it, it reminds me a little bit of, a, of the parable of the little clock. The little clock was ticking and ticking. The little clock stopped and thought about how much ticking he did. And he realized that he ticked twice every second, which was 120 ticks a minute, which was 7,200 ticks in an hour. And then he started to play it all out. He realized that in the course of a year, the little clock was going to be ticking 63 million times. And he began to think, so overwhelmed with that number, that he just stopped ticking. So he went to a clock counselor. And he told the clock counselor, he said, I just can't do this. I I, I just can't tick this much. The clock counselor said, well, well, how how many times do you have to tick it once? He said, only one time. The clock counselor said, then why don't you use all your energies to tick, just focus on the one time and take it one tick at a time and let the other things take care of themselves. And so he did, and he ticked happily ever after. It's a nice parable, but Jesus beat him to the punch. Don't worry about tomorrow. Deal with today. One tick at a time, one day at a time. And in the Bible, you see, when you see God show up and you see encounters with Jesus, you're always seeing Jesus handle things with people, and he has a different perspective. And I'm going to give you the story this morning of a guy who had a really disastrous situation. And you talk about someone with an opportunity to worry. This guy had it. His name is Jairus. We'll find his story here in the book of Mark. And now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him. He was begging Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child's not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, "Talifakumi," which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. He commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. You talk about the guy with something to worry about. It was Jairus. Jairus had, he didn't have a dilemma, he had a disaster. A dilemma means, ooh, I've got a choice between two very difficult choices. Disaster means all hell has broken loose and I don't know what to do about it. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, which meant he was—he had some high standing in that community. Uh, the ruler of the synagogue in that, in that culture was like a mayor and a pastor all rolled in together, civic leader, religious leader, and Jairus was a leader, so he was... He was highly esteemed. In fact, when the Bible names people, it means they were, these were people that carried some level of honor and esteem. So Jairus comes to Jesus, and he falls at Jesus' feet. Now, he really comes with a lot of respect. He's a, he's a leader. I'm sure that the crowd parted when Jairus came through. He had a lot of authority. When he sees Jesus, he, he falls at his feet. He doesn't demand from Jesus. He asks that Jesus would come. But his words indicate The Jairus believed that Jesus could do something about it? Because he said, she's at the point of death, but you'll come lay your hands on her. She'll be healed and she'll live. Jairus had a big belief that Jesus could do something. And the Bible said Jesus went with him. Now, as soon as Jairus asked Jesus to help and gave that problem to Jesus, he really put his problem in Jesus' hands. Jesus, come help me with this. I need your help, and Jesus was like, "Okay." And they go to the house. So now the problem's in Jesus' hands. But Jairus still had opportunities to worry because they're going to his house. The daughter is at the point of death, and the people they said are thronging them. That's a lot of people. That's like the Ark's hallways on on Easter. You know, they're just throngs. It's just jammed, and and they were thronging. So I'm sure Jairus was worried about, "Are we going to make it in time? Are we going to make it in time?" But, but he didn't say anything. He kept it in Jesus' hands. And then, now I, I skipped some verses in here. I jumped around, and I did it on purpose, just for time's sake. But right in the middle of this, they're going to Jairus' house, and this little lady who had a, a problem—she'd had it for 12 years—a bleeding problem—she fights her way through the crowd, touches Jesus' robe, and receives healing. It had so much power in Him. She just touched Him. Bam! She's healed. She's thinking, "Hey, this is great." And Jesus stops and turns around and says, who touched me? I know his disciples are like rolling their eyes going, Jesus, there's a gazillion people touching you right now. The whole world is thronging you. What do you mean, who touched me? And what about Jairus? He's trying to get to his daughter. She's about to die. And and Jesus is stopping and looking for who touched him. Don't you know that, was, that delay had to be excruciating for Jairus? And he could have, he could have said, come on, Jesus, or Jesus, forget, it, forget the lady. Let's just forget it. Let's just... He didn't. He kept it in Jesus' hands. And Jesus is talking to the lady, and, and, and he said, who Jesus isn't letting it go. Like, who touched me? No one said anything. Finally, the lady, she couldn't be hid. So the Bible says she came and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. Now you ladies know that when y'all tell the whole truth, y'all don't give us the Reader's Digest version, you give the whole version. Well, you know, 10 years ago, Jesus, when I was having these problems, and I thought I had these problems, and I went to this one doctor, but I didn't like his receptionist because she was never nice. But anyway, I talked to this one doctor. He said, I had this problem. But you know, I, I went to him, and he couldn't help me, and I paid him a lot of money, but he recommended me to another guy, and I went to him. He was lousy. He didn't do a single thing. So I went to my third doctor, and the third doctor finally said, there's nothing we can do for you. I wish you'd told me before because I had a lot of money, but now I don't have any money, and, I, and that's where I am, and I touch you, and I'm healed. Whole truth. Whole story. And, and Jairus is probably about fit to be tied. He's probably like, lady, come on. And he's like, Jesus, come on. But he didn't take it back. And then they turn around, Jesus, Jesus, so kind your of lady. He said, he said, daughter, your faith has made you will. Go on. Be in peace. And Jesus turned around, they, they started walking, and Jairus sees people coming towards him. And he recognizes them. They're from his house. Not, they don't have a smiling face. Can you imagine as a parent, you know what they're about to say, and your heart drops? And they said, daughter died. Don't, don't trouble Jesus any further. And right there, Jairus could have taken things into his own hands. He could have panicked. You just heard your daughter die. He could have and ran home to, to hold his daughter. He could have fallen on the ground, just been unconsolable grief. But Jesus, as soon as he heard it, he said to Jairus, he said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Now, when Jesus said that, you're thinking, Jesus, this is my daughter. But Jesus did not ask Jairus to do something that he couldn't do because that wouldn't have been fair. And Jesus was always fair. He never missed it. So Jairus, I know there had to be all kinds of, of thoughts going on, but Jairus stayed with Jesus. They kept the problem in Jesus' hands. They get home and they have a tumult, guys. A tumult, you know what a tumult is. It's your house on Sunday morning when you're trying to get everybody ready to go to church. It's a, tumult. it's a tumult. He had all these people that were weeping and wailing. They used to actually hire people to come in and weep and wail. The more, more status you had, the more people would come. It's like paid funeral goers. And they came there weeping and wailing. I'm sure you had family there. When Jairus walked in, I'm sure they ratcheted it up a lot. <laughs> and they see Jairus and and Jesus basically steps into the group and go whoa whoa y'all need to chill why is everyone freaking out now that's not really what Jesus said but I'm just giving you kind of the Texas version the modern version (laughs) he said "What, what, what he said why this commotion she's not dead she's sleeping well they went immediately from mourning to laughing and they ridiculed him and Jairus is standing right there with Jesus And I'm sure they're looking at Jairus going, Jairus, are you going to go with this nut? Are you going to do this? Your daughter just died. Are you going to hang out with this nut? But Jairus kept the problem in Jesus' hands. He didn't say a word. And then Jesus put everybody outside. (laughs) Love that. He just cleared the room. Wouldn't you like to do that sometimes? Just clear the room. And walked in and raised that little girl from the dead. And then you see the level of care in Jesus. You know what? Everyone is just, they're all just amazed and they're just like little girls walking around. Jesus said, y'all need to go to Chick-fil-A and get this girl something to eat because she's, she's, she's hungry. But he thought about the fact that she needed something to eat. She'd been sick and she needed to get her strength back. It's a great story. But it's a great story from Jairus' part is that he never took the problem back from Jesus. He held on to it. He held on to Jesus. He just stayed with him. And here's my question this morning. What are you worried about? What's worrying you? Now, listen, I, I, we're not going to have testimony time, but all of us have things that, that, that are concerns. All of us have things that we're probably worried about today. Some are big, some are small. I mean, you can go from the small of who's my child going to have as a, you know, in preschool because we've got to change you know, the, the preschool places, and, or who, who's, who's my child going to get for a teacher this upcoming year, and the teachers are worried about who am I going to have in my class. You have people worried about, you know what, I, clothes don't fit anymore, car doesn't work, I got money problems. Got family problems. Oh, you don't know my family. I got you'd worry too if you had my family. I got a jacked up family. I, I got, I got, I got to worry. And then of course, we're thinking, I, I, we have to worry. Worry. We because we care, we worry. And and, and you just get that feeling. But I, I, I want to I want to explore this today. What if, what if you but open to the possibility that you could really begin to reduce worry in your life, and then one day get to the place where you eliminate it. Are you thinking? Oh no. That's not possible. That's not even possible. Yeah, it is. Listen, don't let anyone ever tell you that you were born with the worry gene. There is no worry gene. What we've learned to do is we develop in worry. Now, some of you were trained well by champion warriors who've been trained by other champion warriors. My mom's a champion warrior. She, she, was, she was on the top of the list. She was great at it. My dad, fortunately, was not. But you, you learn that, and you realize because you ever notice little children don't worry. L- little kids, does your four-year-old come in and go? I'm a little concerned about the upcoming presidential con- uh, thing. <laughs> and um, I don't know about we can maintain this economy for for a length of time because China's ramping up again. I don't, I don't know. They don't worry about that. They, they don't even they, they don't worry about anything. Right. They, you never see them sitting there just kind of doing this, staring off. What do you worry about, darling? Well, I wonder if there's going to be any snacks today. They don't worry about those because they trust you. And they trust they're going to be there. And you say, well, of course not. They don't have a mortgage. They don't have a job. They don't have the family I've got. They don't. Yeah, you're right. But didn't Jesus say that we receive the kingdom of heaven as a little child? There's a certain element where we come to the Lord and go, you're a big papa and I'm coming to you but if you're not going to worry then what are you going to do? well I got a great solution we could worry or we can pray now in Philippians fourth chapter look at this Paul wrote this he said do not be anxious about anything notice he did he said anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be be anxious about anything. So, in other words, you know, Jairus could, you say, well, Jairus could come to Jesus. Yeah, but we can go to God in prayer. And we can go to Him in prayer. We could say, Father, I I, I believe you can help me with this. And I've got this situation. And so we bring our petition. We're not demanding, We're, we're asking. Lord, I need your help with this. Joy and I have talked over the years so we, we've hit situations that we could not handle. We couldn't force someone. We couldn't make someone. They were outside of our control. If they're outside of our control, then what am I going to do about it? Well, I can go to God and say, Lord, I can't do anything about this. I'm going to bring this to you. But when I bring this to him, I put this in his hands. Now it's his. Just like Jairus kind of gave it to Jesus and just kind of stepped back and walked with him. When you come and petition and say, God, Lord, I need your help. We're taking it, we're putting it in God's hands, and then we just step back and we take our hands off of it. A friend of mine, Keith Moore, is a, is a pilot, uh, flies jets, goes all over the world. He's, in fact, he's coming here in September, it's going to be really good. And Keith says that when he flies jets, he has a co pilot with him. And the co pilot's not sleeping while the other one's flying, co pilot's monitoring. So one's flying the plane, one is monitoring all the controls. So they're, he, he said, so one of them, is, they have different functions. He said, invariably, he said, you want to switch out. He said, but every time you switch out and you give the co-pilot the controls, he said, you do it verbally. And the pilot will say, your controls. And the co-pilot will say, my controls. And he takes his hand on the stick. I started thinking about that. And I thought, have you ever seen that, uh, ever seen one of those movies or heard about that situation where people are flying in a plane, all of a sudden the pilot and the co-pilot drop dead? What what if you were there? Pilot, co-pilot, you looked up and they're slumped over and they're dead. You're like, oh my gosh, there's no one flying this plane. So you go in there and you move the pilot out of the way. You sit down and you don't know how to fly a plane. And the plane's starting to go, and you're thinking, oh God, oh God. And then all of a sudden you realize that someone has moved the dead co-pilot that way and he sat in the seat beside you. And he looks over at you and he says, I'm a licensed pilot. I've been flying for 25 years. I've flown the biggest jets to the smallest airplanes. I have thousands of hours in the cockpit. Let me fly the plane. What do you think would be the smartest thing for you to do? Yes, I knew you were smart. You you guys slept longer than the first two groups. I knew you were smart. Let him fly the plane. You don't hold on to the plane and go, I'm scared, I'm scared. No, you give him the controls. You go, your controls. And he goes, my controls. And then you take your hands off of it. Right? How many of you know Jesus has been flying longer than 25 years? He's been handling problems longer than 25 years. He's licensed, He has millions of hours in the cockpit. He knows how to handle problems. And so we got problems and we're sitting there and our, our, our plane's going down. Like, And Jesus said, why don't you give me the controls? I'm scared, Jesus. No, give me the controls. Okay, Jesus, your controls. And he goes, my controls. Then what do we do? Take your hands off the yeah. stick. Step back and say, thank you, Lord. That's why Paul said prayer and petition with thanksgiving. I ask and I thank you. Lord, it's your controls. Every now and then, Joy and I will look at one another. We'll start talking about a situation and we'll go, whoop, his control. What are we saying is, I'm not going to worry about it. I've given him the control of it. When we do that, you say, well, man, that's great, Alan. Is is it easy? Is is that, man, by next week, am I going to be completely free from ever worrying? No, this is something, guys, we have to practice. Because I promise you, as soon as you pray and ask the Lord for help, you're going to get up and walk three feet and the thought's going to hit you. And you're going to think, oh, yeah. So so what do I deal with? Listen, understand thoughts will come. One of the best ways to, to, to not let those thoughts come is don't start talking about it. Jesus said, don't worry saying. Don't start talking about the problem. You start talking about it, you just grab the stick again. Now you've got the control. Don't start talking about it. But you need replacement thoughts. See, what do you mean replacement thoughts? You've heard me talk about 23rd Psalms. you heard me talk about uh, the Lord's Prayer. Thought, scriptures. I woke up the other night and just, just bombarded with thoughts. Well, I've got a great replacement psalm. It's Psalms 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord, and the humble will hear about it and be glad. So I begin to just, just lying in bed. I'm, I'm just quoting that psalm, praising the Lord with it, and I go back to sleep. What? It's a replacement thought. Jimmy Stewart. How many remember Jimmy Stewart? Did the movie "It's a Wonderful Life"? If you you, then you've never had a Christmas if you've never seen "It's a Wonderful Life." It's a wonderful life. But when Jimmy, uh, in in 1941, when World War II broke out, Jimmy joined the American Air Corps and became a pilot. And as he was leaving to go overseas, his dad gave him a a letter. His dad couldn't even. His dad was so choked up he couldn't even talk to him. But he gave. His dad had been a, a soldier, and he gave him a letter. He said, Jim, he said, I'm banking on the words in this 91st Psalm that's enclosed. He gave him a copy of the 91st Psalm. And he said, the replacement for fear and worry is the promise found in these words. The replacement for fear and worry. So what he was telling Jimmy Stewart is, Jimmy, when you're flying, there's a way to replace the fear and worry as you go to this song. And Jimmy Stewart said he learned to lean on that song. He memorized that song. After 20 missions, he came back from World War II unscathed, perfectly whole. You need replacement thoughts, and there's always we got a Bible full of them. But you need something you can go to, especially when your mind just starts to take off, because Jesus' words are still true. Don't be afraid; only believe. So as you you begin to go down that direction, here's here's the last one. This is real important. The whole key. this the whole foundation of learning to reduce worry eliminate worry in your life is understanding and believing that God personally loves and cares for you and first Peter Peter wrote this and said humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care your anxieties your worries upon him we can do that in prayer he cares for you. See, so when, you, when you begin to understand that God loves you and cares for you, it makes it a lot easier to give the cares to him. Early 90s, we were a sound asleep, and the phone began to ring at about 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, this was before I had a cell phone that sat right by my bedside table. And, and so it was landline. I knew Joy wasn't going to wake up. The girl can sleep through anything. Children crying, people throwing up, Hurricane Ike, so I'm the one that hears the phone. <laughs> Phones ringing, I get up. How many of you know when that phone rings at two o'clock, are you thinking it's good news? No, you're like, oh dear Lord. Grab the cordless, step into the kitchen so I, I don't wake Joy up, although she wouldn't wake up anyway. But anyway, I'm, I, and I, I say, hello? And this cheery voice on the other side says, Alan, man. we." We, we just, Stacy just had our baby, and his first one, his name was Jonathan. He it was my best friend from college. He and I had met when we were freshmen in colleges. We're still friends. In fact, two weeks ago, I just saw him and his wife. We were back at school. We, we got together again and, and met back in the old bar, which is now a restaurant, where we did a lot of damage. But both, both of us were saved, so we weren't focusing on what's in the past. We were just like, hallelujah for the future. But this is my best friend. He's calling me at 2 o'clock to tell me his, about his baby. He was excited. How I many of you know the first one comes, you're real excited. How I many you know the third one comes and you're calling them the next day? <laughs> oh, yeah, I need to call somebody. No. But the first one comes, you're just, you're just so thrilled. And I got off, i was getting ready to get off the phone. He said, Alan, thank you. He said, I knew I could call you. Why? Because he, he knows, I love him, I care about him, he's my best friend. How I many you know if someone's your best friend, you don't hesitate to call, you don't hesitate to ask, you know they care about you, and so it's so much easier, you're not gonna inconvenience them, you're not gonna bother them, they care for you. I wanna tell you something, we got a God who's so much better than I am, who loves you so much more than I love my friend. And you say, I, I don't wanna give God the, the, the big problems. Give him the big ones, practice on the small ones. Give it all to him, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Hakuna Matata is a great phrase, but I'm going to tell you something, Jesus, beat him to the punch. Be anxious for nothing, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. That is the beginning of a no-worry lifestyle. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? This morning, if you're here and say, Alan, I've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, I really want to do that. Or, or maybe you're saying, I, I did that at one time, and I, need, I know I need to come back to him. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But this is, man, this is such a great prayer. Because this starts the beginning of a relationship or re-engages a relationship that impacts your today, and it impacts your eternity. If you're here today and you say, Alan, I, I, man, I, I want to be sure where I stand with the Lord or I really want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? I going to ask you to do one thing. It's simple. You can do it. Just slip your hand up. Just real quick across the auditorium. Say, Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. I realize it's not easy. Thank you for your humility. Thank you. Anybody else? Just say, Alan, Would you pray for me? Wonderful. Great. Thank you. Yeah, way in the back. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, maybe you're thinking, Oh, I really wish I'd lifted my hand. That's okay. Listen, you can, you can lift your voices. We're going to all pray together. You can pray this prayer with us. It's a heart prayer. We're going to pray it out loud with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me. And restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer to this morning. Thank you for them. Thank you for those who've come out of darkness into light. For those who've come back home, we celebrate with them. And Father, thank you for the rest of us that we can learn to begin to give you our cares, to give you our worries, because you care about us. Your controls, Lord, best thing we can say. Thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.